0: Welcome back to another episode of the Good Buddy Sports Bar. On this episode, you got Skinny Bert or Brett for Jared's purposes. Um, On this week's episode, we got a special guest with us, and it's actually a very special episode for us because we have our first guest, pro golfer Jared Hack. What's going on, man?
1: How's it going, guys?
0: Good, good. You just came off of what I would consider a successful week, but I think in your eyes, probably not. Quite as successful as you would have loved. Um, came off the pre-qualifier for the Shriners. Went into the Monday queue. Ended up shooting minus three. Missed out on a spot by four strokes. But as I was saying just a second ago, ended up being beating some of the mainstays, Aaron Badley. Harry Higgs. What were your thoughts on the route?
1: Yeah, man. I, you know what you're getting into when you go out to a Monday, you've, you've got to play, you've got to play solid, kind of get it going from the start. Um, I played very nice. I, I hit 18 greens in regulation. I had plenty of chances. I was a little disappointed in my, my putting performance. Um, I, I misread a lot of putts, like the, the good solid putts I hit were for some reason misread. And then, I mishit two or three putts that I wasn't that I kind of wish I could have back. But overall, yeah, I was happy. I mean, I, I really felt like I had a solid chance, uh, made the turn at three under had some had some good chances on the back, uh, got it to four under and then I, I kind of gassed one down the hill and three putted from about 20 feet uh, on my 13th hole or so. So I kind of had to make a run coming in and didn't quite get that done. But good experience overall. Uh, Monday qualifiers are fun. It's a you know, tee it up and make birdies.
0: Yeah. I was just going to ask what the mindset difference is between like a boat race versus a 72 hole tournament. So if you want to chat about that.
1: Yeah. So I would say I, I've Monday qualified in four times, uh, three PGA tour events and one corn ferry event. And every time I know this, this is going to sound silly, Typically, I would use Monday qualifiers as like a competitive practice round, right? I'd have some good stuff to work on, whether it was like sports psychology stuff or even swing mechanic stuff or just, hey, I want to commit to this today. So, you know, I know my alignment's been funky. So maybe let's, let's make sure no matter what we aim left today, because I've been aiming way too far right, something like that. And those are the days you get in because you're not really trying, you're sticking to something simple that you can attain, like, you know, a, an attainable process goal. Uh, that's how I've been successful. So I did have some good goals for, for yesterday, um, or sorry, Monday. Um, I, you know, I felt good about it. Uh, To answer your question, the difference between a 72 hole tournament and uh, a Monday qualifier is you're not over every 12 footer thinking you have to make this putt, uh, which typically isn't a good recipe to make the putt. So that was kind of, you know, after, after five or six holes, I kind of felt that way. And, I told myself, listen, I want to stay in every putt. I want to hold my finish. Um, that way I give myself the best chance to compete here. And I and I did that. So I am proud of myself. Yes, I'm, a, you know, a little disappointed I didn't I didn't give myself a better chance, but I did everything I asked and I was right there. Absolutely. Like being four shots
0: off in a tournament or in a Monday qualifier where you got to shoot like 7 under. That's a tall task tall order and i think looking at the shriners list versus some of the other monday queues you probably had a more stacked competition than you would normally have for a tournament just looking at the list of guys and with the way that the pga tour is set up with this fall series i think a lot of guys were trying to get in as opposed to a lot of the other ones where they were either already in or would skip that event
1: yeah i, I would agree with that i you know a couple of the players a couple of the pga tour players were kind of confused on the, you know, they're out there playing practice rounds, just saying hi to a few of the guys I hadn't seen in a while. And they're like, yeah, I don't understand. I was 80, I'm 80th on the points. I'm not in this, but I'm in the 78 man field Zozo next week. It, it doesn't make yeah. sense. So definitely quite a few guys, you know, we're out there trying to get, there's, there's plenty of guys that are trying to hold on to status for next year. So yeah, every start matters. So, you know, any chance they can get to, to get into an event that they're going for it.
0: Absolutely. And for you to hold your own, great to see. Um, Now, from your
1: perspective,
0: I know the reason why we got hooked up is I saw on Twitter that uh, you had opened up a GoFundMe. You're looking to get back on tour, going through Q School, all that sort of stuff. I'm severely confused with how Q School works, where you're going to start Q School. All that sort of stuff. So, for the viewers, do you want to break that down, and then at the end we can throw out the GoFundMe, your socials, so that our uh, our folks can donate where possible. So, break it down for
1: me, Q School. Where are you starting? Absolutely. Okay. So, I'm starting at first stage, which ironically is not the first stage. Uh, there's <laughs> there's now <laughs> yes, there's now four stages. So there's a there's a pre qualifying stage, first stage, second stage, final stage. There were six pre-qualifying sites, uh, about 70 guys for about half the field getting through those. Going into the first stage sites now. There's 13 first stage sites. My site is in Houston, Texas, October 24th through 27th. And that'll be about 80 guys for about 20 guys in ties. So there's no playoffs or anything at first or second okay. stage. Um yeah. So then all those who advance out of those 13 first stage sites, there's five second stage sites. So that'll be all the guys that advance from first plus guys from Corn Ferry Tour, or even guys who played, you know, very poorly on the PGA Tour will get thrown in at second stage. And then that'll be about the same. That'll be 80-ish guys for about 20 spots at each of those sites. Okay. And then those guys, it, it equals, it always equals about 150, 160 guys will be at final stage of Q school. Final stage this year is the first time in, I think, 10 years that they're actually giving out PGA Tour cards again. So they're they're giving out five PGA Tour cards. So there will be a playoff for that. And Mm -hmm. then those next, you know, six through 40 will then get full, quote, full playing privileges on the Corn Ferry Tour. Numbers 41.
0: So then when it comes down to that, so when you get full privileges, you can get into any field on any of the corn fairy stuff
1: the way that it works is they actually break it down into tiers so like number six through 15 will get every event basically right and then number number 16 through say 40 will get like the first 10 starts guaranteed and then after that it'll kind of shuffle in on based on money so you're really not even if you say you go finish twenty third at Q School, you're really getting like probably ten guaranteed starts on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, okay. But if you then just if you just make a couple cuts, if you play solid, you'll get to play the rest of the year. You'll you'll give yourself opportunities. Uh, and then this year as well, what they're doing, to my knowledge, any of our any viewers or listeners, if they know anything different, please feel free to let me know later on, but PGA tour Canada and PGA tour Latin America are no longer having Q schools, So this is actually the Q school for that as well. Okay. So everybody who makes it to final stage, will at least have conditional corn fairy and have full playing privileges on those tours. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I think, guys who make it to second stage also guarantee like conditional status on it's now called the PGA tour of Americas or something like that so yeah so that's how Q school goes now uh and it's yeah it's $5,500 to enter at first stage and that that doesn't include your travel or you know your expenses or anything but obviously you know there's However, a couple thousand of us that do it every year for that chance. I mean, there's like I said, this is the first year uh, in 10 years you can get straight to the PGA Tour through Q School.
0: Yeah. And I was I was trying to educate myself on it, but I figured you could do a much better job of talking me through it. So I did see all those tiers, And like I was wondering where you would place in along the way, because there were those four stages and very convoluted, like there's 19 ways to get into final stage another 16 ways to get into third stage, second stage, whatever. So yeah, I was really wondering where it lined up. And then to your point, getting the um, ability to play on those other two tours to get yourself. Now here's my question from those other two tours, because we'll take a step back and talk a little bit about the McKenzie tour because Al and I both being Canadian, um, I'm interested in some of those stops, but we could talk about that in a second. How do you earn your way onto the different tours, from say the Mackenzie Tour or the Latin American Tour?
1: It's changed a little bit over the last few years, but typically, so like back when I had full status last time on on Canadian Tour, it was uh, top twenty five guys on the the year end money list got exempt to second stage of Q school. Okay. The top ten guys got exempt to final stage of Q school. So Technically, they were Corn Fairy members at that point, and then the top five guys actually got full Corn Fairy status. Um, okay. I think it's changed a little bit since then. I think it's a little a little tighter. I still think the top twenty five got you to get you to second stage, uh, but I think it's only the top five that get to go to finals instead of top ten now.
0: Okay, so you're still playing your way to get back into Q school to get back on the Corn Fairy, which then feeds in. To or like Q school top five to feed into PGA status.
1: Right, I'm pretty yeah. certain number one on both of those money lists also get like full stat. They get guaranteed like every single start on Corn fairy
0: Yeah, and it's it's crazy to me how you got to grind it out through Q school, then you got to grind it out through the Corn fairy and then finally, like if all things align and you're one of those top thirty guys, you get a chance at. Getting tour status, and then you're still grinding it out. And do you still have to use Monday qualifiers, even if you get like one of those top thirty spots, or is it like you can get into a lot of the fields in the early season?
1: You'll get in. So everybody who gets a, a full card, so say everybody who finishes top forty at final stage, will get in the first eight or ten events, whatever the number is that they choose. I, I it's either eight or ten. Um, yeah. So you're good to go for those events for sure. And then, like I said, kind of based on money, then people will start shuffling in. So say somebody who finished 90th at Q school who didn't get one of those starts guaranteed Monday qualifies in and finishes fourth. He's going to surpass pretty much everybody from, you know, the, their full status that didn't beat him. Uh, now, mm-hmm. after those 10 events, he'll reshuffle ahead of them.
0: Yeah. That's one of the things I look at with the PGA tour. And we were just talking about last week on the podcast. Is there a little bit of fatigue when it comes to the PGA with so many events, so many ways to qualify, so many guys shuffling in and out, it's starting to get real tough as fans to follow along and like, be able to like in your um, case, we're going to be watching you like a Hawk seeing where you're going and your results and everything like that. And like, it's going to be real tough to keep track of like, is he in or does he have to qualify or like, you know what I mean?
1: I'll definitely keep you guys updated on that. But yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, even even though I mean, I have obviously been playing professionally for 16 years now. I I don't understand the new fall series on the PGA Tour and I don't even it sounds like even current players on the PGA Tour are confused by it. So I, I definitely agree with you.
0: Okay, so let's take a step back. So we were going to do this on Monday, but Canadian Thanksgiving got in the way. We, we got into the piss a little bit too much. And then you went to the hockey game last night. Let's talk about that. How was the opening night for the Las Vegas night?
1: I honestly, just got chills by you saying that, man. It is, <laughs> it is it's so electric in there. Uh, I grew up as a Lightning fan in, in Florida. Got to go to a good amount of games. I mean, they were always fun. I would equate a regular season Vegas Knights game to a playoff hockey game. I mean, uh, for, one of the main reasons is if you're an opposing fan and you're going to travel to a game, you're going to go to Vegas. So, mm-hmm. you know, like you get the Maple Leafs in town or, or you know, the the Flames or something in town, and they score a goal, you're like, what in the world? Like it, it the place erupts, and it's all opposing team fans. So it's, it's a blast. Uh, and they played nice last night. Aiden Hill's been... He's so much fun to watch. He, I, I swear, every game I go to, he'll have one or two saves. Like, how did that happen?
0: Yeah. That seems to be the equation over the last like two decades in hockey. Just get that goalie that can stand on their head, and it's going to take you a long ways. And where do you have Vegas finishing this year?
1: You know, everybody that I respect out here in the sports world and stuff. I mean, they and even my friends who who follow hockey casually say that the Knights are built for a good couple year run kind of like the lightning were a few years ago. Um, yeah. so I would be, I would be surprised if they didn't make it to the Western conference finals again. That's my, that's my guess. Okay, I think we'll it's going to be in. Dallas, Dallas, Colorado, and us kind of in the West coast. Okay. We'll lock it in and, uh, we'll
0: come back to that later on in the year. We'll track deal it.
1: deal. Okay.
0: So, you had a little ride on that. Well, not a little ride, but you had a ride in the Mackenzie tour, and it's funny enough because when I when you texted over to me, you noticed that my number was out of the London area. So good on you for noticing that. Um, what were some of your favorite tracks while you were up in Canada playing on the Mackenzie tour?
1: Ooh, man, uh, I definitely enjoyed the West Coast more. Uh, just the weather was. Seemed to be better you know the beginning of the season I loved Uplands in Victoria um I had a I had a nice I think I shot 61 in the first round the the year I played there uh the course was just incredible shape like it was it was so pure uh I think I ended up finishing tied for third that week so obviously a little bias based on the finish every stop though man everywhere we went everybody was so nice uh I I enjoyed it I mean the staff for the tour were great I I tell people all the time, if I could make a living playing the McKenzie tour, I would, I would play up there.
0: So Canada is everything that people hear about all the good side.
1: It really is. I mean, in my experience anyway, I I really enjoyed it. Um, And then I got, I got lucky that year too. I got to play in the the Canadian open at Glen Abbey, which was really cool. Go, you know, in the practice rounds, you go hit that bunker shot that Tiger hit on 18 and you're just like, wow, he pulled that off during a tournament.
0: Oh yeah, the guy's just next level. And I think this this rolled into one of the questions I have for you because if I'm correct here in my research, you turned pro at eighteen. So I did. at at what point did you like at what point did you figure out that you could go pro or like, what was the de- decision-making process to go pro? Because I think you could bring up a good point about Tiger, his freakish athleticism, like being able to do the stuff that he did. And I'm sure you saw a lot of that along the way, but what was the point where you were like, yeah, I'm going to make that jump or like, I'm going to do.
1: Ah, that? uh, man, that's a tough question. I, <laughs> I played really well the summer leading up to, uh, I, I played at university of central Florida, my freshman semester, um i guess the moment i knew i i had the ability i i won the western am so that's uh that's four rounds of stroke play 152 guys or 156 guys and they cut it down to 16 for match play and i beat ricky fowler in the second round of match play and dustin johnson in the third round of match play and they had both just been named to the walker cup that week um and i i was just a a dumpy 17 year old kid. No one really knew about. So it was fun having the, the galleries out there and kind of being the underdog and just, yeah, I know, Hey, if I can hang in there with that and watch that, I mean, Dustin to this day, is still a, a, the noise he makes hitting any shot. It it's incredible. Um,
0: so how'd you deal with that? Like you got, I'm sure, and correct me if I'm wrong here because I haven't seen the game yet. So I'm just going off of what I I have to assume, but like, DJ had to have been blasting it by. Oh, man. It was the,
1: the like some of the newspaper articles. I actually just cleaned out my storage unit in Florida a couple of months ago, and I just happened to see a few of the articles. And then I do remember the first hole. Uh, I had six iron in. I hit it to about 25 feet. Dustin had lob wedge in. He had like 100 yards probably. He airmailed the green. Pitched it outside of my coin, missed his putt, told me to pick up the coin. And my buddy caddying for me is just like, wow, this could be a pretty easy day. Next hole's like a 600-yard par 5. I hit driver hybrid, you know, pitching wedge or whatever. Dustin hits driver 5-iron to a tap. I mean, I gave it to him. He hit it to like a foot. And I look at my buddy and go, still think it's going to be easy? (laughs) Um, That's crazy. To be be honest, I think it was – I, I I obviously have played well, but it was nice. I hit first into every green, so I was hitting it nice. You know, if I was hitting, I was 40, 50 yards behind him, hitting six, seven, eight, eight irons in, and if I'm hitting them in there to 10, 15 feet, he now has to hit a good shot. And I was two down at the turn, uh, and then I think I won 10, 11, 12, 13, and you could just kind of see it flip, like he was starting to get frustrated. I also I don't know. He's he's just he's so good, and he he had made the Walker Cup team. I don't know how much he really cared. Like he was just he's just like, all right, I'm here, I'm good. Like,
0: yeah, I think the I think the switch flipped for him much later in life. Like he had that natural God given ability for many years, and it almost wasn't until Goretzki got into his ear. So tying it back to hockey, that he started to flip that switch and had that dog in him come out. Where yeah. it was like. I want to be the best wedge player in the world and that will get me so much further than I'm currently at.
1: Oh, and his short game, I mean, changed dramatically like a couple years into his tour career. And yeah, that's when he became, you know, the top 10 player in the world. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. you can just see his swagger too. He, he's just, he, he He's not bothered by me. and that's a yeah. that's a huge intangible to have.
0: And I think that almost goes to your point of, like, he didn't care. I think that's almost his demeanor the whole time, and you could tell me right. differently. But, like, he doesn't care to a fault, and it's like, man, it happens, it happens. Like, pick it up, we'll go to the next hole. I'll crush yeah, driver, exactly. crush five iron, and put it within two <laughs> inches. So, fuck it.
1: Yeah. Yep, exactly.
0: All right, before I let you go, let's talk about one more accomplishment. Um, we'll talk about is this your low round you're 57 at las vegas country club walk me through that experience as you're going through that i i think i read in the one article that you're dash 10 making the turn so walk me through that what was that experience like
1: so this was uh this was 2021 and The night before, uh, my wife put my Q school on her credit card and said, we got this. Don't worry about this. We got this We're And I still remember just like, wow, she, she really believes in me. Like she, she understands, like she, she trusts that I, you know, that I'm going to figure it out. So the next morning at skins, I don't know, a couple of the guys on the range were just like chirping at me. And I was like, you know what? I'll play you both. Like my, my ball versus your best ball. And they're both, you know, like two handicaps. And, uh, they're like, yeah, deal. And so I had been working hard on stuff too with my sports psychologist. And I just had a couple good goals for the day just to kind of get going because I had a few tournaments coming up. Um, So I really wanted to work on that stuff. And man, I just, I don't know, I dove into it and it clicked. Uh, I made everything uh, except for 17. I three putted number 17 from about six feet. And that was, that was like the, that was really the only time I got nervous. I don't, I was cruising all day. Uh, mm-hmm. To answer your story, yes, I, I turned it 10 under. I made everything. And then I made about a 25 footer on 11, uh sorry, on 10. 11's uh, short drivable. I, I hit it up there close, chipped it close. And then 12's a short par three. And I missed about a 15 footer for birdie. Had The course is short, by the way. It's 6,400 yards. We're out in Vegas. So it's, you know, uh, just for the listeners. It's playing like 5,200 it's playing like, like 6,000 yards sea level probably. Um, yep. so yeah, this, you know, short holes I had, I had a good drive on par five and just absolutely skanked an eight iron to like 50 feet. And I hooped the 50 footer and that got me to 13. No, that got me to 14 under through 13. And that was the moment I was like, Holy crap. I, I, gonna shoot in the 50s like I can shoot in the 50s that's pretty cool um and I kind of did like I kind of got a little tentative with the putter coming in those last like five or six holes I, I you know it was it was fun I had a blast um I did birdie 18 I you know I hit a good drive and hit a wedge in there to like three feet and I didn't really realize like after uh you know after I made the three putt what you know what I needed to do to to break 60. Um so I birdied 18, shot 57, and all my buddies that, you know, all the guys that were playing were like, dude, that was incredible to watch. So it was it was fun. Um and then honestly two days later, driving down to play the Arizona Open, a buddy of mine and I stopped at Quintero in Arizona, just outside of Phoenix, just to see it's a cool course. It's like the number one public course in Arizona. We wanted to see if we could practice a little bit and walk in the shop and they were nice enough to let us play and I had a 30-footer on 18 for 59. I shot a course record 60. Um, (laughs) We've... i I guess we walk in the shop and my buddy's like what's the course record and the guy's like oh it's 64 by pat perez like no one's really sniffed it and this was a real golf course by the way this is like 7200 yard like very real course um and then i posted all that stuff on my my instagram you know like these two back-to-back rounds and a bunch of people were firing like oh you're just doing this for likes you know like you know show the shots all this stuff and Anyway, three days later, I won the Arizona Open. I shot 68, 64, 63, and won the Arizona Open by three. So a couple of my buddies posted, like, is this fake too? Like, did everybody let them win? So it was just one of those, like, stretches, you know, that 10-day stretch where everything was clicking, Every. All the stuff I was working on with the sports psych was, was going well. I let go of the results and I just, I played to my potential.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, sometimes it's about the process and not about the results and getting there will come. It's just a matter of time. Like we come from I, a, a big basketball background and sometimes we forget about that because it's directly on the scoreboard going head to head with another team. And it's like, it will come if you continue the process. So it's great to see that you followed the process and it gave you those results, like crazy results.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. I think that's like a, that's a good thing. I would say the biggest thing I've, I've taken away from working with a sports psych and having the struggles that I did have and, and looking, looking at it now, it's, it's all life skill stuff too. My life is so much better day to day on and off the course. I'm not taking how I play and putting my self-worth on it. You know, when I come home to my wife and my dogs and and that sort of thing. It's its its made everything so much easier. No, that's
0: great to hear. I was gonna ask you like, was there ever a point, if you got time for one more question?
1: Yeah, of course, man. No, I'm good, oh, okay. you guys
0: are good. Did you ever have a point where you looked at it and you said either the results aren't coming before you took this new mindset or I don't think I'm ever going to make it. Was there a moment where you had that thought and how were you able
1: to come out of that? Absolutely, I mean, 2018, I missed 16 cuts in a row on the corner Ferry tour. I did not like myself. I did not like golf. I, I pretty much stopped playing, uh, for about six months after, after I missed a Q school that fall. And I, I didn't think I was going to ever be able to play competitive golf again. I was hitting shots that like that no one hits. I, they were just off the planet. Um, I had no confidence and yeah, I I ended up getting very lucky. Uh, somebody called me and asked if I would want to come caddy at shadow Creek out here in Vegas. Uh, I could play, I could practice and I won't have to worry about paying my bills. You know, you make enough caddying three, four days a week. Like I'm not going to have to stress about that. And so I got out here and all the caddies are are good players and they were kicking my butt and they're just like, how did you play on the corn fairy tour all this? I'm like, well, there's a reason I'm not out there anymore. Um, but it, it allowed me an opportunity. It, it humbled me a lot. And also I had plenty of time. I didn't have to rush back. I didn't have to do anything. You know, I didn't have to grind to pay my bills. So I, I learned to love golf again and I, I learned to, to enjoy it and then started working with a sports psychologist and, and realized most of my struggles were mental. It wasn't, wasn't physical. And I obviously I, I have the physical game one shot at a time. I know I have the physical game to play on the PGA tour. Um, And you just have to you have to let that happen. Like you said, you got to got to go to the process and let that happen. And even, you know, in in all the stuff I've done with the sports psychologist, the stuff doesn't happen instantly, right? You have to have some faith that you're doing this stuff. And, you know, it's like a weight loss journey or a diet, right? Like you could eat eat clean for two weeks, you're not gonna lose 20 pounds, you got to keep doing it, you got to stick to it. And it's it's really, there's nothing magical to say. It's just do do the little things every day. All the little, little things add up every day, you know? Wake up and just be happy for, for what you got instead of like, oh man, I I have to go practice today. No, I get to go practice today. Just these little mindset shifts have really, really helped.
0: Yeah, I was, I was also going to say like, I wanted to chat with you about like the travel schedule while you're on these tours because I'm sure that takes its mental toll on you also like you're grinding the money may not be coming in as much as you need it to the travel schedule going from city to city um, and couple that with some results that aren't quite there I'm sure it just starts to buckle on you and it's funny that you bring up the sports psychologist because I think it's a part of the game that's underutilized by folks that are trying to elevate their game on a more amateur level. Um, So to hear you talk about process and like sticking with the process and it's the little things and not tying yourself to it, I think is great advice for everybody, not only in professional sports, but also in your day to day life. Like don't necessarily tie yourself to results. If you're a sales guy, like there's a process. You have a family you have other things there that you got to be thankful for and take a look at that stuff
1: too yeah be be kind to yourself i mean i think everybody's their own worst enemy their own you know your your worst critic and it it adds up when you know when you start to yeah if you do have a bad stretch whatever it is and you know that you're doing sales or or you know golf um yeah be kind to yourself and just just stick to the process good things good things happen. Something's going to happen. Opportunity is going to show up. Something's going to click. You're going to remember something. You're going to meet someone. You're going to, whatever it is, something, something's there. There's always opportunity.
0: Absolutely. All right. So we'll leave it on that note for the first one. I appreciate the time. Thank you very much for stopping by Absolutely. today. Um, so I'll give you some time, lay out your socials, lay out what you're doing with the GoFundMe, and then we'll wrap it up.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Instagram is jhackgolf. Uh, so that's where I'll post. I, I try to post all you know stories each each time i play a tournament my tea times my my results and stuff i don't really put up posts i'll just do a story that lasts like 24 hours um yeah if if anybody is able to help i greatly appreciate it if not i fully understand um happy to do any online lessons or anything too for people who donate but um, you might, I guess, tell me where a, g- a good place to post the link for the GoFundMe. Um, and I can do I that. will
0: post it. Yeah, I'll post it to the uh, podcast show notes. So I'll put it in the show notes after this, but, uh, yeah, just spell it out.
1: If you, if you got it, um, I do not to be totally honest with you. I I'll don't know. I will say my Venmo is just my name. It's at Jared hack. Okay. It's J H A R E D H A C K. And I know a lot of people that's been those a little easier as well. But, um, again, I'm, I'm grateful for anything. Um, yeah. And I'm excited about Q school. I, mean, I I, do believe I've got, I've got the game in there still, and, and, you know, as long as I keep learning and growing, I, I have no reason to stop.
0: Absolutely. It's great to see you chasing it. It's good after all these years and like the ups and downs, I've, I've done a lot of research just looking at your game and looking at trends and stuff. And I could understand how that one year, I think it was 2018 could be tough, but it's good to see you back. Um, I was following you last week, coming into the weekend, just seeing what you were doing. Great to see the the six under last Thursday, the minus three on Monday. I know it wasn't the result you wanted, but man, you got to be happy being minus nine through two rounds. And if you can do that in Q school, I, I'm sure that can get you a long way. So just keep your head down, keep on grinding, and we'll be watching you. So best of luck going forward, man. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Chad with you. Take care. Yes, sir. See you.